Welcome to the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council with hosts Grace Evans and Moses Bratchrude. Stay informed on the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom. Get the facts, stand for truth. Hello, everyone. I'm Grace Evans. I'm here with Moses Bratchrude. Welcome back to the Family Beacon Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in this week. I have a very exciting announcement for you guys right off the bat. We are now on Apple Podcasts, Yay. which is so exciting. We've been waiting so long for that. We just had to get approved. We're finally approved, and that has been great. Thank you so much for the positive comments that we've received and positive yes. five-star reviews. That really does mean a lot. Uh, and it helps us beat the algorithm there on Apple Podcasts. So please continue to do that if you like this podcast. And, uh, and share it with your friends and family. Yeah, share it with your friends and family. But uh, we have a lot lined up this week for you guys. First and foremost, though, we are going to talk about something that we haven't really talked about yet on the podcast, and that is COVID. Dun, but, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I know. Kind of dramatic. But <laughs> this is really important because there's a possibility, it seems like, and we'll flesh this out more for you in this episode – of possibly a new mask mandate uh, here in Minnesota. So, mm. Moses, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. If the governor can do that, what's going on with that this week? Yeah, so I'm sure that's exactly what you wanted to hear, mm-hmm. that that there might be a mask mandate coming back. <laughs> um, and so we want you to – I just want to be very clear here. We want you to share the podcast with your friends and family. Yeah. We don't want you to share COVID-19 with your friends and family. <laughs> no, stay safe. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, new story from this week, Governor Walls. On on WCCO Morning News, he says he's not ruling out declaring another peacetime emergency to enact a statewide mask mandate. Um, so he he wants to, to keep that as a, as an option if uh, the COVID numbers get a lot worse with this new Delta variant. Now, right now, uh, the numbers are pretty good in Minnesota, and we we do have uh, 68.4% of the population, 16 and over, have received one at least one dose of the vaccine, and that's a good number for keeping those COVID numbers down. Now... Why? Why would it be? Uh, why would it be a bad thing if Governor Walls uh, uh, created a mask mandate? Well, here's the deal. Now we're not going to talk today about whether uh, whether, whether you, you should, should wear a mask or, why you shouldn't. Or, or whether you shouldn't or right. whether you should get a vaccine, whether you shouldn't. Full disclosure: I got the Fauci Yachi. Yes, you and did. I am fully supportive of anybody who decides to do that or decides not to do that. This is a free mm-hmm. country and it's a free yeah. state. And, and so, Moses and I have different opinions on this topic too. So yeah, we, we're not we, here yeah, to, we're, we're not we're, we're not yeah. gonna we're not here to tell you what to do with your private health decisions. We're here to okay? say that the government should not be telling you that you have to wear a mask. Right, right. And here's why. Yeah. Here's why. Not only is an is it a um, uh, a uh, is it a uh, incursion on your individual freedom, mm-hmm. but here's a scientific study published May twenty fifth, two thousand twenty one. It's called Mask Mandate and Use Efficacy in State-Level COVID-19 Containment. This will be in the show notes. And you should review this if you're interested in this because Definitely. the question is whether mask mandates work, okay? Now, that's that's the question. Uh, and here's the results of the study. Case growth was not significantly different between states that mandated masks and states that didn't. And surges were equivocal, okay? Well, what that means is if you have a surge in Florida where masks were not required, Mm -hmm. then you were probably seeing a similar surge in New York and other states where masks were required. So it's almost like it doesn't matter that much. And if it doesn't matter that much, then you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't make take away people's freedom to associate and mandate that they wear something on their face, which is um, which is 
let me just be controversial and say that the efficacy is in doubt. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of controversy. So do your own research and make your own yeah, decisions. Make your own decisions. We're not here to tell you what this. to do. Yeah. But yeah, at the end of the day, if Moses wants to wear masks, he wants to wear a mask. And if I don't want to wear a mask, I don't want to wear a mask. And the government shouldn't be telling us to do one thing or the other. You should have the right to choose to wear a mask if that makes you feel safe. And you should have a right to not wear a mask if you feel like it doesn't work. And, and and the data seems to be showing, we've mm-hmm. been through this before, so yeah. God forbid if COVID comes roaring back the same way right. that it did, oh. and I don't think it's going to, but if it does, and, and the state wants to take these measures, right. we now have an example on the books of how mask mandates do not appear to make a big difference. They do not slow COVID-19 surges, okay? And yeah, on that note, so, Sweden never fully locked down. That's yeah. important to look into. Sweden never fully locked down. I don't think they ever required people to wear masks. Uh, if they did, it was for a short period of time, but I'm almost positive they didn't. They never required people to stay home. And right now, actually, there's uh, they even removed their recommendation to wear masks. They don't even have a recommendation mm. in place, even on their subways and things. So do your research. Look at what other countries did and look at, to what happened in other states. Uh, main point being... People should be able to choose what, what they want to do with their lives and their faces and Absolutely. their noses and their mouths. <laughs> you should be able great. to, yeah. That's great, yeah. So last thing, can on this topic, can the governor do this? That's a question that right. can we want to bring some clarity right. to, okay? So currently the governor, the governor would need to have his emergency powers uh, right. uh, de- declared. He would need to declare a peacetime emergency. Because if we're not in a state of emergency, then he doesn't have that power. Then he doesn't have the that power. Yeah. yeah. Now, he can do that. He doesn't have to consult the legislature. However, so um, so a peacetime declaration. So I'm looking at Minnesota Statutes 12.31, okay? You can Good Google work. that, Minnesota Statutes 12.31, and you can see exactly what I'm looking at here. Yes. Now, does the legislator, legislature get, to get a say in this? A peacetime emergency must not be continued for more than five days unless extended by resolution of the executive council up to 30 days. The executive council is made of the governor, lieutenant governor, the attorney general, I think a couple other state officers who are elected, and they were going to do what the governor says. So in practice, what happened last time is you'd have the legislature – the legislature has to meet – okay, here we go. The legislature may terminate a peacetime emergency extending beyond 30 days. If the governor determines a need to extend a peacetime emergency declaration beyond 30 days the, and the legislature is not sitting in session, the governor must issue a call immediately, convening both houses of the legislature. Now, I'm sorry that's boring, yeah, let's break but that I want to read you – I want to I want to read you right from literally Minnesota law so that you know what the government can – what the governor can and can't do. He can create a statewide emergency, but mm-hmm. – He can't extend it past 30 days without the authority of the legislature. The legislature needs to come in and they need to extend it. Now, I'm looking ahead. Mm -hmm. I am very hopeful that the governor will not uh, declare a uh, peacetime emergency, that he will not declare a mask mandate. I'd be very dubious of that, honestly. Well, no, I know. I'm dubious too, but I'm also hopeful. Mm -hmm. Now, what we need to do is if this does happen, you need to be prepared because we will need to put pressure on our legislature. Yeah. The legislature almost, they came so close to overturning his emergency powers several times during the pandemic, which would have been great because the mask mandate was extended way too long. And, and that's the thing. Your representatives are here to represent you. Yes. Let your voice be heard. Absolutely. That's You can call them. You can email them. They're, they're there to hear your what your voice is and what your opinion is. So when, make your voice you, be known. Absolutely. So when you contact your state representative, Mm -hmm. they represent about 40,000 people. And most of them don't know who their representative is. Exactly. So you're one of the very few who will actually contact them. 
and that's great. Your senator, your Minnesota state senator, represents 80,000 people. They will want to hear from you, and they, if they do hear from you, they that will make a difference in how they vote on whether to extend the governor's emergency powers if this comes back. I'm just, I want you to be prepared, okay? I hope none of this comes to pass. If it does, then we'll, then, then that's when you'll need to take action. Okay, enough about COVID. So boring, so over. Let's talk about something that happened this week right here in Minnesota. Grace, tell us about this equity study thing. Very interesting story here, you guys. Uh, here in Minnesota, in Sartell, which is kind of St. Cloud area, at Riverview Intermediate School, a fourth grade student uh, was required to take an equity survey. Now that sounds, maybe it sounds confusing. Like what is an equity survey? Explain. That's what we're here to do. We're here to explain this. Mm -hmm. So uh, like I said, Haley Sartell, or Haley is a fourth grade student and she, um, over the last school year, I'm not sure at what point she didn't mention, she was given an equity survey to take and uh, she was told that she, one, couldn't skip any questions Two, that she couldn't repeat the questions to her parents. And finally, she couldn't discuss the survey with her parents. Uh, red flag. Right. Red flag there. <laughs> and so what she did is she went and she uh, spoke to the school board and that got recorded. And then she and her mom went and did an interview with Fox News on this. Wow. So her mom's name is Kelsey. So this girl's name is Haley and her mom is Kelsey. And uh, basically, Haley was saying that one question that was brought up on this equity survey, one question was on gender identity, like what, what your gender identity is. And that made a lot of the students uncomfortable in the classroom, she said. So one of her classmates, a boy, asked asked the teacher to clarify, was, was confused, and the teacher basically said that they couldn't leave any of the questions unanswered and that they couldn't go talk to their parents about the questions. So that's concerning, of oh, course. Boy. And something interesting, too, that... Kelsey, the mom, said in the interview, she said that she made the point that kids don't see color, that they're taught to see it, and that this sort of equity curriculum is teaching kids. She basically made the assumption or the assertion that kids are being taught to see color by this equity survey. Mm -hmm. So let's just dive into what that equity survey even is, because yeah. I think that's really confusing because it sounds good. Right now, Equity probably sounds like, oh, that's synonymous with equality. And shouldn't we all be shouldn't we all be fighting for that? Here's the thing. Uh, equity is defined by the Oxford Dictionary. It would be something along the lines of the quality of being fair and impartial. So equality. But it's not synonymous with, with equality, not anymore. The uh, Glossary for Education Reform states that this is the def definition of equity. While it is often used interchangeably with the re related principle of equality, equity encompasses a wide variety of educational models, programs, and strategies that may be considered fair, but not necessarily equal. It has been said that equity is the process, equality is the outcome, given that equity, what is fair and just, may not in the process of educating students reflect strict equality. What is applied, can allocated... I get some, can I get some Caesar dressing for this word salad? <laughs> or distributed equally. So I, we can just break that down into simple lingo. What this means is that... What this means is that equity as defined by the dictionary, the regular dictionary, we, we would think equality. But what education reform is seeing this as, broadly speaking, especially here in Minnesota, is equality of outcome, which mm -hmm. is different than just equality. So if I'm if I'm understanding that correctly, mm -hmm. like the idea 
the idea is that when you have equality of opportunity, let's say in a, in a school setting, mm-hmm. it is that teachers would treat every student the same, regardless of their gender, their race, their economic background, and would help them all equally. The idea of uh, equality of outcome, though, would be more like Harvard deciding that they would have different admission standards for Mm -hmm. black and Hispanic students than they would have for Asian students so that the, uh, the, the, uh, racial um, demographics of the Harvard class that comes in are somehow more um, less Asian and more black and Hispanic than they would be if Harvard used the same admission standards for students um, not based on race. Right. So th- am I understanding that concept? Yeah. And Moses, are you, are you familiar with that graphic that has gone around? I forget who did it, but there's these kids looking over a fence and then there's these boxes. And yeah, on one yeah, side, yeah. there's the one, we can even put it on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have, there's on the left side, I believe there's boxes, uh, there's, there's students standing or kids standing and they're different heights. And then on the right side, there's boxes for the shorter people. So there's the equality on the left and then equity on the right. Equity kind of seeks to give a boost to those who have, um, suffered more misfortune or, uh, haven't, haven't had the equal outcome as compared to other people. Mm -hmm. So that's just, just different differences in definitions. That's good to be aware of because, if we're going into it and we're thinking equity equals equality, well, there it seems that there is a difference, uh, especially as Equality Alliance Minnesota is defining it. So Equality Alliance Minnesota was the organization that gave the equity survey. They came in and then they they required this of the students. And they, uh, I think it would be helpful if I read from their website just uh what an equity audit is. So this is the Equity Alliance Minnesota, mm-hmm. and they're doing an equality audit of this this school near St. Cloud. Yeah, okay. the school near St. Cloud where Haley is a student. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so what what do they have to say for themselves? Yeah. So this is what they say. They say an equity audit is a process that supports a district through data informed practices to guide decision making, implementation, and action on how to develop context specific strategies to school community concerns. Uh, it it's just it's so boring. I'm sorry. It is an approach to identify systemic issues and concerns that can be addressed over time through commitment to building relationships, addressing disparities, providing support, and continued focus on results through continuous improvement. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. That means nothing to me. What actually means something to me is that they're coming to this school Mm -hmm. and they're asking fourth grade students what their gender identity is and telling them not to discuss it with their parents. Now, I did see that the superintendent of this district has Mm -hmm. come out and said Mm -hmm. there wasn't anything that they weren't supposed to. uh, We didn't tell them not to discuss it with their parents. Some staff might have Mm -hmm. misinterpreted that, which to me is code for this kid's teacher did misunderstand that and did tell the students not to discuss it with their parents. And that is such a red flag, okay? When... Um, I was just in this uh, meeting yesterday with this group of uh, parents and educators in Minnesota who are working to help build alternative opportunities for kids in failing schools. So, so I was in this meeting, and um, and and someone who was uh, who was on Zoom from another state uh, was talking about how their their uh, success with charter schools. And basically, the point is, we we live in a system. Uh, we live in a uh, where where teachers and educators have set themselves up as the champions of children. Mm -hmm. And now, don't get me wrong, I'm so supportive of teachers and educators. They do amazing work. But this guy was making the point, like, 
parents are their kid. They know their kids the best. Their ki- their kids' best cheerleaders. They have their kids' best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. Teachers will never have the same interest in the success of an individual child as their parents will, right? And the same with the government. The government does not care more about the well-being Correct. of your child Precisely. than you do. You raised your child. You changed your child's diapers. Did the government do that? No, the government did not. I would be. I would actually be okay if the government changed my child's <laughs> diapers. If they. <laughs> oh yikes! <laughs> no, just I'm. I'm not talking about all the time. I'm just talking about. Like someone shows up for a couple hours a day and says, "Hi, I'm your I'm your diaper changer for today." Um, okay, you know what? No, I'm just talking about that. Now more. we're getting off topic, and I don't think you actually want that. No, I I, yeah. I decided I don't actually want that. So let's talk about the Olympics. The Olympics are happening in Tokyo this year. There are no spectators. Uh, no one is watching from the stands. However. Uh, what you're going to see on television um, in, in the next few days and weeks is uh, the, the first crop of transgender athletes uh, to ever compete at the Olympics. Um, that's going to include uh, Laurel Hubbard of New Zealand. Laurel mm-hmm. Hubbard is a man who identifies as a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's in his, uh, I think he's in his 40s. Um, and he, he set weightlifting records uh, in, in, uh, as a young man. Although uh, he later claimed that he stopped weightlifting in 2001, uh, and then he he uh, tra- he's began transitioning to uh, to to uh, to what they present as female uh, in 2012. He's been taking hormone treatments, um, and the the Olympics uh, they're they're basically saying, all right, you can compete as a you can compete as a as a woman. If right. your testosterone level is below a certain level, which is just so bad, <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to like. It's just like you know. I, I just want to make the point that um, when when we had the gay marriage debate, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, you know, the last the last ten years in this country, there was this accusation that conservatives were making a slippery slope argument. Conservatives were saying. If you have, uh, if you redefine marriage, then there's going to be other societal categories that are going to be redefined. You're going to be redefining who uses women's bathrooms. Mm-hmm. You're going to be redefining whether it's okay to ask a fourth grader what her gender identity is. Right. You're going to be right. redefining who is a woman in terms of uh, the Olympics. And so the Olympic mm. Committee decided that. Being a woman does not mean having two X chromosomes, which mm-hmm. is what it literally means, among other things. But that that simple biological definition that every woman has two X chromosomes, yeah. every man has one X chromosome and one Y chromosome. Which that's Wh- what's really strange to me is if they're yeah. if they're getting rid of that if they are it's almost like they're trying to get rid of that distinction between male and female sports. So why not just have sports? <laughs> <laughs> at this point, if we're going to cross that point. barrier. And yeah, just, yeah. You know, and it's it's really sad to me because there are some female athletes out there that have worked their entire lives to be one of the best or the best in some cases. Right. Only to have that potentially and very likely stripped away from them from biological males that are identifying as females that are taking their chance of fame and taking their chance of working so hard to achieve something. That's really sad to me. Yeah. Like there, there is a woman out there. There is a, there is an athlete out there somewhere in beautiful New Zealand. I'd love to go sometime. And, and that athlete was thrown off the, 
that athlete's spot on right. the New Zealand weightlifting women's weightlifting team was taken by Laurel Hubbard, who potentially could be, was obviously a talented athlete. Mm-hmm. This guy could be on the men's team maybe, or could yeah. have been when he, w- when he was younger. But instead, he's taking a spot on the women's team potentially, and I, I actually think I saw that it was a, a Maori woman whose spot he took on the team. Mm-hmm. So this uh this this white dude <laughs> so yeah if biological males can compete on biological female teams why are we having the separation of teams then yeah. if it all doesn't yeah. matter which clearly if we did that if we abolished male and female sports then we'd see a lot of biological males winning in a lot of categories so last that's that's so true last yeah. word on this particular issue and this is from wikipedia and i want to stress that not the not some kind of evil right-wing media uh media complex mm-hmm. wikipedia says the applicable international olympic committee guidelines have been criticized by many scientists due to recently published papers showing that people who went through male puberty that it would certainly include anyone who quote-unquote transitions to female after puberty, retains significant advantages even after a year of testosterone suppression, okay? If you go through male puberty, you have advantages in um, in, in bone size and density and in musculature mm-hmm. and in other areas that you can't get rid of even yeah. if you take uh, female uh, sex hormones for years. It right. just doesn't work. So a Belgian weightlifter... Um, Anna van Bellingen stated that allowing Hubbard to compete in the women's event was unfair and that the situation was like a bad joke. Yeah, I mean, if my 18-year-old brother, who's very strong and very tall, was competing against me okay, in any sport. Okay, he's not very tall, Grace. No, he's so tall. Well, I'm, you know, I'm 5'2", so. Grace comparison. is 5'2", so like, yeah. But like, if he was able to compete against mind. me in any sport, Moses. Grace I would, is 5'2". No, Moses, I would have <laughs> no chance, no chance of winning. Because he's a biological male, and he's a lot more athletic than me. Partially because he's very athletic and talented in that way, but also because he's a male. So, like, yeah, we, just, we've come to the point. We come to the point where we, there's supposed to be this slippery slope thing. Oh, yeah. conservatives, you're just you're just making these prophecies that'll never come true. But no, Look, this hurts women. The it prophecies women. came true. Yeah, female athletes are hurting because there's a cultural narrative that women and men are somehow interchangeable. That mm-hmm. there are no differences between them, mm-hmm. and it, except for toxic masculinity. Oh, yeah, you're he, really toxic, Moses. I'm, so can, I'm can you so just take a few feet back? Put your mask on. Stay six feet back. Um, right, right. It's, it's too close. Yeah, my yeah. with my with my toxic COVID nineteen masculinity. <laughs> so <laughs> Moses, you recently got your name published in the Star Tribune this week, yeah. and recently too, you sent them a letter about critical race theory. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so uh, the Star Tribune. Um, uh, okay, oh, let me back up. Oh, okay, There's critical race theory, the topic du jour of our cultural discourse right now. Right. We are going to do a big episode on critical race theory mm-hmm. next week. Critical race theory is important. It's important to get our discussion of this right. So we're not going to we're not going to just do this as a footnote. We're going to do a whole episode devoted to how Christians should look at critical race theory. And we we'll we thought and one. prayed about this a lot. This is not something that we're doing off the cuff. Mm-hmm. It is it is a big deal for us to talk right. about this. And uh, and and we we want to we want to not slip into any right wing or left wing narrative. We want to instead talk about what the gospel says. So that's mm-hmm. coming next week. In the meantime, though, I couldn't pass up the chance to reply to the Star Tribune when they published a um, a a, uh, uh, a an article which said um, uh, th- that critical race theory was not being taught 
in um, in Minnesota schools, in Minnesota K twelve schools. They they just came out with that claim uh, in an article and by one of their I know for a fact that it is, and, and it just like it it just is. And I yeah. had to, I had to point that out. I, mm-hmm. I gave them three examples of literal recent news coverage, public record that it is being taught in Minnesota schools. One, mm-hmm. it's being taught on the Pequot Lakes school system up north. It, and that caused a big furor there. It's being taught in St. Paul Public Schools. And there was an article, a very fawning article about how these educators are just, you know, jumping over themselves to uh, put it in to their curriculum. Mm-hmm. And then uh, third, um, in their own newspaper, in the Star Tribune, two days before they published this article saying that it's not being taught in Minnesota schools, a social studies teacher from Richfield, Minnesota, wrote an opinion piece talking in very great detail about how he brings critical race theory to his classroom. And he did that on the Star Tribune. He did that in the same newspaper. Mm-hmm. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So um, I actually even, I think I saw after that, after I wrote this, I thought, oh man, this was this, this would have been so good. I think I saw that um, one school district, and I think it might have been Owatonna, uh, fact check this mm-hmm. for me, guys. Um, is actually offering a whole elective course called Critical Race Theory. Wow. <laughs> Honestly, though, I would take that class just to better understand. Oh, my gosh. You I would. would. You, would be such a, you would be such a dynamite in that class, Grace. <laughs> the teacher would not know what hit them. That would be amazing. Okay. That would so be really interesting. I, and and, and my, my commentary did not pass unnoticed. Uh, no, it did not. Mike, um, uh, Jack. I just had a, a fact check uh, comment about that. That is confirmed. I oh, Tana. Looked it up. Yep. Okay. All right. Our producer coming in clutch telling me that it was Owatonna Public Schools mm-hmm. in Owatonna, Minnesota, who are offering this fall a uh, an elective course in critical race theory. That is literally the title of the course, I right? Wonder, I could pass as a high school student, too. What'd you say? I could even pass as a high school student. You probably so could. I yeah. Could just... Yeah, you probably could. Wow. You should. You should. Uh, oh my gosh, that would actually be so interesting. That would be I so would interesting. Love like to I, take I, a class I, yeah, from I'm that just so. Yeah, that would be so informative. It would be so informative yeah. and probably fun. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I got I got some some feedback, Grace. Okay. Some people did not like my uh, yeah. my perspective. So what Moses did is he went he he got the facts. He stood for truth. He uh, held Star Tribune accountable to what they were saying in this article and in another article, and they published it. And what did people say to you, Moses? They published it. I'm grateful to yeah. them for that. Uh, so people were not not a big fan of me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so here's here's a couple comments. Mr. Bradford claims to follow Christ's teachings that we all are one. Yet it is his very own Minnesota Family Council that promotes the most extreme anti-GLBTQ wait, wait, ideas and policies. GLBTQ isn't it LGBTQ plus? LGBTQ. IA plus. Is I think that, it? that is the more correct acronym. Yes. So I, I'm so going to have to say, G-L-B-T-Q. guys, you got to get your acronyms correct. It's otherwise, confusing. It's otherwise, always changing. Yeah. It, 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 this person is being insensitive to intersexual, to intersex and asexual people by not including them in his acronym or her acronym. I don't remember. Meanwhile, Mr. Bradford minimizes racism. Okay. So a couple lies here. I don't promote policies or ideas that target anyone. For anything. Mm-hmm. We are a Christian organization. We want to build up the brothers in love, we, uh, brothers and sisters. We want to we wanna be the voice of the church for public policy in Minnesota. We want to share the love of Jesus with everyone. We're not anti-anybody. Second of all, I don't minimize racism, okay? Racism exists. It has always existed in this country. We'll talk more about that next week. I just, nope, nope, never done that. Okay, yeah. second... 
Moses, maybe you could look at a real gospel, the gospel according to St. Matthew. Okay, sorry. So, I quoted Galatians in my piece. So, I'm, is he thinking that Galatians is not a real gospel? I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not a I mean, gospel, it's, it's, it's a letter. It's, yeah, an but, epistle. But <laughs> here's, here's Matthew 2540 from, from this commentator in the Star mm-hmm. Tribune. And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then here, here it comes. A lot of white folks are going to be surprised when they meet their maker. Is this person suggesting that white people are going to get to the the gates of St. Peter and uh, they're going to be sent to hell because of their race? On account of the color of their skin? Or something, yeah. On account of the amount of melanin that's in your skin? Something. Because let's not diminish how terrible racism is and, and how that is evil in God's sight. Absolutely evil. And we'll talk about that more in the next episode. But... So, yes, you will be held accountable if you are committing the sin of racism towards your brother. Likewise, if people of color are committing racism towards white people, they also are going to suffer that consequence. Racism is a sin problem. It mm-hmm. starts in the heart, and that will be – there will be eternal damnation for that sin. Uh, however, just because you are white does not mean that you have committed the sin of racism. Right. And that is what this is perpetuating. It's perpetuating this false ideology that every single white person is inherently racist, whether they know it or not, which is absolutely not true and is oh antithetical gosh. to the gospel. Thank you. We'll say that more you. next week, though, on that. That's Yeah, that's so good. Yes. Stay tuned next week. We'll talk about this in so much more depth. Last comment, mm-hmm. though. Last comment that I got. Mr. Bradrood, it was Christians who enacted the genocide of indigenous people and bought and sold people from Africa. Okay, that's a historical claim, which I could talk about for hours because I am almost done with my graduate degree in history. So I'm actually, dare I say, qualified to speak on this topic. Certainly more educated than me on this topic. Well, and I just want to say, okay, talking about uh, talking about the question of slave of, of the slave trade. There absolutely were people who claimed to be Christians who uh, who ran slave ships, uh, who who trafficked in human people, mm-hmm. who brought them over from Africa. John Newton uh, would be a famous example of this. He was the captain of a slave ship. Yeah, uh, he claimed to be a Christian. He later converted, found uh, found Jesus, and uh, uh, repented of his traffic in human souls and wrote the hymn "Amazing Grace." Mm-hmm. And we can't and, diminish how terrible that is to the trafficking. No, of, we yeah. we absolutely and and but the the idea that it was just Christians. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Christians. There was no religious. Uh, th- there was a religious dimension to some the way some people defended slavery. Absolutely, um, and you you still see that today with the neo Confederate craziness. However. Uh, in terms of the slave trade, mm-hmm. what 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 often happened was I'm going to try to be so short here. What often happened was there was tribal warfare between African tribes. Mm-hmm. When one tribe would win, uh, uh, they would take uh, certain people as indentured servants or slaves, and then they would sell them to uh, slave traders who were for much of the much of the history of, of African continental slavery. They were either Arabic or Portuguese. So we have we have uh, we have slave um, slave kingdoms in Africa who are probably follow some kind of animist religion and then they're selling slaves to either Arabs who are Muslim or um, Portuguese who are Catholic and then they bring them here and sell them to people who may or may not be uh, claimed mm-hmm. to be Christians in the South. So the idea that it's one religion that's responsible right. for genocide and slavery is absurd. Yeah, there's been, there has not been, every single people group in the world has oppressed another people group at some point in time and enslaved a people group at some 
yes. at some point in time. No so, one is innocent. Yeah. No, we are and all, it's all bad. guilty. We're all guilty. Mm-hmm. The idea that because of our melanin or lack of it, that we're better or worse people. Or because that of religion. Is racism. Too. Or because of religion. That's uh, that's actually that's bigoted. I don't, yeah, uh, bigot, yeah. Bigotry or prejudice. I don't throw that word around often. Grace, we got we to gotta close down this episode. Yeah. However, I want to throw you a curveball. Okay. Okay. We... We're talking about the news. We're talking about politics. It's going to get kind of heavy. I just want you to tell me, what book are you reading for fun right now? Oh, boy. I'm reading Fault Lines by Bodie Bauckham. Ooh, that sounds fun. Very good. I'm taking my time with it. I skimmed it, but I'm I'm reading it slowly to let it all sink in. It's amazing. Definitely recommend. And... I'm reading a lot of books, though. I'm also actually reading Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. I've nice. already read it, but I'm rereading it because we're required to read it for early modern lit for school. But I thought, you know what? Why not just reread it right now? Yeah. And it's fresh in my brain, and I love that book. I actually started listening to it a day and a half ago. I'm listening to it on audiobook because of my drive time, and I already only have an hour left. That's how wow. good it is. That's so if you so want cool. a good fiction read, just even thinking about you know uh, how it's so detrimental if you start playing God. Mm. That theme, mm-hmm. so it's so eye-opening. Just there's only one person in this world that can – there's only one being that can give life, and that's God. Mm. And just the place of God in our place in the world, this is God, this is us. It's so good. So how about you? Any good I, books? Yeah, so I'll, yeah. I'm I'm always juggling various books. I'm reading a book about the Vikings, but I just started Middlemarch by George Eliot, and mm-hmm. I am loving it. I don't have any cool moral lessons. I'll I'll, may, I'll maybe keep you updated, but it is beautiful. It's like Jane Austen, basically, if you, if you're not familiar. Um, and I'm just I'm just absolutely loving it. Okay, that's the books we're reading. That's the top <laughs> stories of this week. Yeah. This is the Family Beacon from Minnesota Family Council. I'm Moses Bradford with Grace Evans. Thank you so much for watching. Remember to leave. A review if you're enjoying this content. Remember to share this content with friends and family if you think this would be helpful for them, and we will catch you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to or watching this episode of the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you're up to date on life, family, and religious freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at MNFamilyCouncil and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our content. Get the facts, stand for truth. Thank you.